What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Please acknowledge our humanity the way that you acknowledge our bodies. Hello and welcome to the Miseducate podcast. My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miseducate blog and now podcast. This podcast is here to expand upon prior and future blog posts and is centered around having open and honest conversations about the aspects of life we have been misinformed on. Whether that be relationships, religion, culture, you name it, I'm here to talk about it. Each episode, I will be talking about a different topic and inviting guests to talk about their own experiences of miseducation and what they are doing to re-educate themselves. This podcast aims to make you laugh, think, and inspire conversations for change. None of us have it right. We have all been miseducated. In this episode, I'll be talking about the fetishization of blackness, especially the black woman fetish. I'll be talking about what it is, the Vogue cover debate which inspired this episode, and how it endangers black people. Trigger warning as there will be reference to sexual assault. But without further ado, let's get into it. My Nubian goddess, my chocolate button drop. Oh baby, that tar black skin and those long jaguar legs do something to me. Woo! Oh, honestly, if nobody laughs, at least I make myself laugh. <laughs> anyway, um, those are a few of the... Um, those are a few examples of things not to say to black people. I swear down. I swear down. Please, if you are, especially if you are a non-black person and you are saying these things to a black person, stop. Stop. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, British Vogue revealed their February 2022 cover featuring various black models with the tag Fashion Now. 
And personally, when I first saw the cover, which was on Twitter, I smiled. I smiled. I smiled and quickly acknowledged this moment of representation. And don't get me wrong, it, 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 it is... It was a moment, a monumental moment, especially considering that only two other black um, models have been given British Vogue covers, Naomi Campbell and Jordan Dunn individually. However, as time went on, and I continued to look at the responses on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and articles, I began to see the formation of an interesting debate as people were calling into question the artistic decision to darken the skin of the models in post-production and saw that there was a drastic change between the model's natural skin tone and how they appeared on the cover. And I guess the overarching question was this, is this real representation and is this a real celebration of blackness or is it just a white colonial and European fetishization of blackness? Fetishization, the act of making someone an object of sexual desire based on some aspect of their identity. Hold on a second. Hi, sorry. Um, I'm going to play devil's avocado over here. Um, because it kind of feels like that the line I'm assuming here and that the line of progression of this episode is basically saying that this Vogue cover is an example of fetishization. And to be honest, Sarah, it kind of feels like you're blowing it out of proportion. You know, we have darker skinned women on the cover of British Vogue. Secondly, the editor-in-chief, Edward and Enfall, is black and the first black editor-in-chief at British Vogue. The photographer, Raphael Pavarotti, is black Brazilian and his work aims to celebrate the black and indigenous experience. Um, but yeah, back to my original point, there were men behind the camera. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that we need to question whether there were black women behind the camera, whether they had any creative control in how these black women, how these black models were going to be portrayed. Additionally, were the models included in the input of this cover? Did they have creative control in how they were portrayed? And yes, it's really easy to say that, you know, the job of a model is just to stand there and pose, you know? Like, that's all they have to do is look pretty and pose and walk down a catwalk and smile into the camera. Like, it's really easy to just say, like, that is what they're supposed to do. That is their job description. However, by saying that, it seems that we kind of discredit their jobs. And like by discrediting and diminishing the voices of models, especially black models, it's a way in which that we continue to objectify them and allow sexism, sexual violence, discrimination, racism and assault prevail in the fashion industry. And even if the answer to that question of whether the models had creative control or whether there were black women behind the camera is yes, there were, and yes, they did, I would still call into question the Vogue cover. My second point is that the photographer, Raphael Pavarotti, although Pavarotti wants to celebrate the black experience, it is his artistic trope that I believe is being called into question from reading the arguments online. 
because this is not the first time that he has intentionally darkened the skins of black of black models in post-production. And although he does say that his aim is to celebrate black and indigenous experience, are we really celebrating the black experience if the models being celebrated are not celebrated with their natural skin tone? I came across um, a post that was put by Darkest Hue on Instagram and in it they said, black models are only celebrated to the extent to which they can be exotified and commodified for shock value. And it got me thinking. Shock value, shock value. The bodies of black women and this idea of shock value, the fact that they have to be seen as the extreme and polar opposite, the fact that we're so intrigued by how different they are, how other they are. And I think that what this cover kind of shows is this idea of shock value. But I guess it's shock value to who? To who is this shock value for? What is the purpose of this shock value? And let's not lie, this I this trope that um, Raphael Pavarotti has taken for himself um, does have historical connotations. You know, the darkening of skin is reminiscent of blackface in minstrel shows in which white actors put on black paint and were painted on exaggerated features to ridicule and humiliate black people. This idea of shock value and creating a cover in which it's so shocking to see these black models with really dark skin that is darker than their own skin has a similar connotations to how black bodies were displayed and exhibited in exhibitions and human zoos in Europe in the 1800s. The most well-known example of this is Sarah Bartman, a South African woman who was made into an exhibition and became a tourist attraction in Europe because of how she looked, because of her physique and the proportions of her physique. It's degrading, it's humiliating. And these similarities are eerily reminiscent of the past and show the ways in which racism still impinges on the present. And so, in doing this research, um, in doing this research and reading all these different articles and seeing so many people's opinions for and against the British Vogue cover, I also started thinking about fetishization of black people just in general because it's not just confined to the fashion industry, even though the fashion industry capitalising off cultural appropriation and the exotification of blackness, let's not lie. But, you know, the fetishization of blackness is within the entertainment industry as a whole. It's in media, it's in sports, it's in dating, it's in... It's generally in the entirety of society. And the thing is, is that it's not just the exotification of darker skinned black people or the color, or the different shades of blackness. But it's also, you know, the desire to pet. I say that in quotation. Pet our hair. To touch our skin. 
to wear our skin, to have our skin, to have sexual experiences with us, to be within proximity to the various cultures within the black diaspora because it's seen as cool. It's also within being in proximity to our trauma. You know, the constant sharing of murders of black people. The fact that it's so widely spread and it's so widely shared amongst so many different people. And yes, it does some good because it's, you know, people film it because they're trying to take, they're trying to make sure of taking accountability for, you know, the racism and literal murder of so many different people. For example, George Floyd in 2020. But there comes a point where it becomes trauma porn, where people are indulged in it. Especially a lot of non-black people become desensitized to it. And that is also reminiscent of the ways in which there were lynchings and public executions of black people. The fetishization of black people, there's literally this idea that we can be, that black people can be consumed by the masses. That we're a commodity. Honestly, I guess I would just say, just watch Jordan Peele's Get Out and you'll get the gist. And I guess as I was doing this, ugh, I keep saying and I guess, but doing this research kind of also led me to, you know, thinking about my own experiences in which people have tried to fetishize me and make me into a commodity and kind of strip away my humanity for their own pleasure and their own gratification. And honestly, whoa, if now I'm not even gonna open my mouth about it because honestly if I start speaking they will say I'm speaking if I start talking they will say I'm talking and if you are listening to this and you are a black person you know that you have had experiences where you're like that that's weird that's suspicious and you've called into question that well-meaning, again, I'm saying this in quotation, well-meaning compliment. And I should probably say this, and I should probably interject this here, that obviously, as I said, the the, the definition of fetishization is the act of making someone an object of sexual desire based on some aspect of their identity. And thus, you know, fetishization is not exclusive to blackness, but for the purpose of this episode, and speaking from my own experience, and also you know, because we are responding to the British Vogue cover in which we have several black African models on the cover. We're talking just about the fetishization of blackness and how it negatively affects the black diaspora. But there are other groups of people, especially marginalized people within society in which fetishization becomes like this weird trope that they have to experience and navigate and go through. So let me just interject that there. But yeah, as I was saying before, if you are a black person and you're listening to this, you have had your own experiences of fetishization that have made you uncomfortable. And I guess I would ask you here is like, what did you do? Like, what was your response? You know, when somebody says something and you realize that it's not a compliment, but you're like, this is a bit weird. What is happening? Um, 
Like, how did you respond? Because I'm trying to think about how I've responded. It's either, I think, in the experiences that I'm, I'm thinking of and that are racing through my head, I've had either two responses, which is shock or laughter, where you're just kind of like, what the heck? But I always, I always laugh at the most inappropriate times sometimes because I'm just an, it's just my automatic like response to when I'm uncomfortable. Sometimes I just laugh. Anyway, we digress. I'm asking you this question because I believe that in instances of where you, we black people have been fetishized, I feel like you come to this part where it's happened. The words have escaped said person's mouth and you kind of have this paradox of fetishization and T Noir, a YouTuber made a video called the black girl fetish and um she summed it up perfectly in which she said like the attention that we get that black women get, this is what she was talking about in the video, the attention that black women get, especially from non-black people, where they publicly are acknowledging and praising black women, the attention presents itself as a privilege and a favor. And I think when it presents itself like that, it's really hard to call out because the desire is packaged as this amazing gift And what do you say when you are given a gift? Oh my God, I sounded like my mom. (laughs) Sorry. I'm so sorry. You know when your mom or like somebody hands you something and then they're they're like, what do you say? (laughs) You're like, thank you. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Very inappropriate. But like, you know, wait. (laughs) Sorry, I'm thinking about it. Ooh, compose myself. Yeah, it's it's presented as this gift. And what do you do when somebody gives you a gift? You you are supposed to be grateful. You're supposed to be thankful. But it's not a gift. Fetishization is not a gift. And yeah, as I was saying in this video, which I will definitely all the references to all the things that I'm talking about will be on the Miseducate blog, so go and check out the resources there. But in the video, T Noir is talking about this black girl fetish and how it was it was becoming this huge thing on social media. Um, a lot of non-black people were tweeting, making Instagram posts, and a lot of TikToks especially about how much they love black women. And it was, she was saying some, she said something along the lines of, you know, a lot of non-black people are noticing that black women are not appreciated or seen as desirable in society. And so their aim of creating these posts or outwardly acknowledging black women is to outwardly show their, their attraction and affection towards us as a way of kind of being like, hey, I know society tells you you're ugly, and that you are the least desirable out of everything. Because we are told that. Let's not lie. We are told that we're not desirable. And it is a message that is internalised by a lot of black women. And it's also the subject of um, my article that I wrote for Refinery29. Just want to put that plug in there. Um, we are told that by society. However, there's a difference between 
you know, acknowledging that and then being like, no, I disagree. Actually, I find black women attractive. There's a difference between doing that and then or and then saying, oh my God, society says you're the least um, attractive. Society says you're not desirable. Well, I'm going to choose you. Even when they say you're ugly, even when they say you are the bottom of the barrel, I choose you. That don't feel like a compliment. That makes me, that reminds me as a black woman that I am worthless, but you are still choosing me and that I should feel some sort of way because I am the exception to the rule. And honestly, as a black woman, how, what society has taught me is that there's no such thing as being the exception. Like you shouldn't take, or sh- you shouldn't accept this idea that you are the exception to the rule. And there are so many times where, in in regards to dating specifically, where people have tried to make it seem like I should be grateful to them for choosing me, for making me the exception to the rule. And it always made me feel objectified. It always made me feel objectified. Always. And again, but the way that they look, the way that they are expecting you to receive it and from their perspective they are doing you a favor baby they are doing you a favor love it's ironic because it seems blackness exists in two extremes you know you have the absolute hatred of blackness of our culture of our skin of the way we look of our existence and you know that is what we are taught in schools is racism that is what society says is racism it's like ding 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 red flag racist 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 but then you have the fetishization of blackness this overindulgement in in our culture in our hair in the way we look and all these different things and we're we're kind of taught to make it seem like oh gray area like that's fine right black person you're okay with this right but the truth is is that both of them are rooted in racism both of them are branches of the same tree and I guess this idea of people feeling bold enough feeling brave enough to publicly state that you non-black person are choosing a black woman over another woman of another race slash ethnicity, it only identifies your entitlement and your internalized misogynoir and your superior and your superiority complex. I guess in general as well, like by I will say this again, by publicly stating that you, non-black person, are choosing a black person in general over another person of another race or ethnicity only identifies your entitlement and your internalized anti-blackness and your superiority complex and it is this this seed of superiority of anti-blackness of entitlement of black bodies that leads to the endangerment of black people especially black women For black men, you have this idea of, oh my gosh, look how 
Look how fast he is. Look how tall he is. Look how big he is. Oh my God, look at him on the field when he plays football or rugby or um, or basketball. Look at the way he runs, you know, being compared to animals. Oh, look at him on the field. He's a beast. Like it's kind of presented as this like positive racial stereotyping. And also this idea of, you know, black men have bigger dicks and you know, they're so good in bed and all this different stuff, blah, 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 blah. It presents, it's it's a positive racial stereotype. It's it's a positive racial stereotype because I'm sure, you know, some some black men are like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on. Don't, don't tell them otherwise. Don't tell them otherwise. But it is a positive racial stereotype in which you are degrading black men to just being sexual objects for other people's gratification and i and these and the thing is is that this stereotype has led to the endangerment of black men because you know in slavery white slave owners would castrate black men as a way of humiliating them emasculating them you also had this idea in which like black men were just so dangerous that if they looked at somebody wrong, especially white women, if they looked at a white woman wrong, they would be killed. And you have countless examples throughout history of of men, of black men being wrongly accused of something and having, and it costing their lives, point blank period. For black women, this idea, this infantilization and and exotification of our bodies, especially the proportion of our bodies, has led us to be seen as these, again, these sexual objects. And you have the Jezebel stereotype. And in her book, Ain't I a Woman by Bell Hooks, I mean, we all know by now, I love me some Bell Hooks, um... In her book, Ain't I a Woman, Bell Hooks writes that, you know, black women were naturally seen as the embodiment of female evil and sexual lust. And they were labelled Jezebels and sexual temptresses and were accused of leading white men away from spiritual purity into sin. And this was the excuse. This, yeah, this was the excuse that allowed the systematic sexual assault of black women to go unscathed and unpunished for decades till now till now and in an article for vox it was written that in 2016 once every 19 hours a black woman is killed by a man usually by her intimate partner usually with a gun black women are dying And I guess what I'm trying to do with this part of the episode, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to stress the point that like sometimes it seems to other people that fetishization is is not a problem. Like it's not an issue and we should be focusing on other bigger things. But the thing is, is that it all feeds the same tree. Like it's all rooted in the same tree, I should say, going back to that metaphor. And by ignoring it, we're allowing 
racism in our society to persist by not questioning it by saying oh that was a compliment I meant it as a compliment yes your intention may have been good from your perspective but it was so harmful it was so harmful and let me say here let me state here that I think that there is a difference between when black people compliment black people like that versus pretty much everyone else. And even then, sometimes when black people do, it kind of borders a line of, what are you doing? Why is the only compliment that you can pay me based solely on my blackness? Anyway, there's a difference. So like, especially for black women, we need platforms and hashtags like black girl magic or black girls rock. We need platforms like that. And Black Ballad, shout out to them too. We need platforms like that because these platforms celebrate black women and allow the different perspectives and the different experiences of black women to come across. Like they allow that space, they create that space for black women to voice their opinions and to speak their truth and to share their stories. And not all of us agree with each other. There have been things said from certain black women that are not agreed upon with other black women. And that's amazing because it shows the complexity and the nuances of our black experiences. And I guess also when black women compliment other black women and try to uplift each other and empower each other, it's needed because and it's more, but I guess it would, you could say that it's more believed because we come from the same experience or not the same. We come from a similar, a familiar experience. So in all this, let's kind of summarize what's been said already. And I guess the question would be then, how do we celebrate black people, especially black women? How do we celebrate black people? And I think the perfect way to summarize everything of what has been said and how and figuring out an answer to this question is along the lines of what T Noir says in her video which is genuine appreciation would be the occasional compliment without the comparison to food genuine appreciation would be admiration without having to put down other races of women or make it a point that you're choosing us over or in spite of someone else It's great you love black women. And I've heard several people, several, sorry. I don't want to spill the tea because I know that people that I know listen to this. I don't want to say too much. So I'll say this. I know a few people that have expressed that they are attracted to black women. But my question, non-black people saying that they are attracted to black women. But I guess my question is this, because it doesn't matter if you've, I've had a crush on black women before or I've dated other black women before or I've been in a relationship with other black women before or I have children with black women or I am married to a black woman. It doesn't matter because I guess what really matters is do you know the intricacies of loving a black person, especially a black woman? Do you know the intricacies? Do you respect and do you know how to respect and protect a black woman? And also, please acknowledge our humanity the way that you acknowledge our bodies. 
We are not all interchangeable for each other. And I love compliments. Don't get me wrong. I love compliments. Words of affirmation is one of my is one of my love languages. So please, I'm not saying don't compliment me anymore because I like a bit of an ego boost too. But if the only compliment about me is concerned with my cocoa butter, smooth, soft, 2% dark chocolate skin, we have a problem. Going back to the British Vogue cover, number one, Let's keep having darker skin black models on the cover and normalize this representation. Um, number two, I would say, I guess the question would be, do I think the cover was intentionally fetishizing black models? No, I don't. But I do believe that the company, as big as it is, as big as Vogue is, for the amount of years it has been around, does have an obligation to take account and responsibility and that black people have the right to critically analyse the representations that we do get. Um, An article that was written for Goldam sums it up perfectly that we should be able to, you know, critically analyse these representations because black representation is not automatically liberating if deeply entrenched stereotypes can be hidden under the guise of avant-garde art and that's on period um so what are your thoughts on the british vogue cover let me know and you can let me know by following miss educate on social media the information will be in the description box below additionally so will the miss educate blog where you can now listen to these episodes along with a few additional notes from yours truly And while you're there, don't forget to add your email to the subscription list so you don't miss out on new posts. And lastly, continue to watch, read, listen, educate, and then re-educate yourselves. Finally, make sure to rate, review on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. And share this podcast with a friend. And tune in next time for another discussion on the Miseducate podcast. Bye! Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.